Stuff I Learned Yesterday, episode number 347, On the Fringe of a Breakthrough. Welcome to Stuff I Learned Yesterday. I'm Daryl Darnell. My weekend of watching football was not as enjoyable as I had hoped it would be. And I believe that if you aren't learning, you aren't living. In today's episode of Stuff I Learned Yesterday, I share a lesson I learned during Season 2 of the Fringe Podcast. Well, happy Monday to you. I hope you had a great weekend. I did, even though my OU Sooners left the Cotton Bowl with defeat. I still had a great weekend because my life isn't contingent, nor is my happiness contingent on my football team winning, but it would have been better had they won. Oh, well. You know what else I enjoyed this weekend? I enjoyed Doctor Who. I love Doctor Who. And today's fun fact is going to be a callback to this last weekend's episode of Doctor Who. And don't worry, it's not spoilery for those of you who aren't caught up. But if you are caught up and you are a Doctor Who fan, last Saturday's episode referenced the bootstrap paradox. So in case you're curious about the bootstrap paradox, here you go. A bootstrap paradox is also known as a predestination paradox or an ontological paradox. And the term bootstrap paradox refers to the expression pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. The use of the term for the time travel paradox was popularized by Robert A. Heinlein's story by his bootstraps. It's a paradox in the sense that an independent origin of the events that caused each other cannot be determined. They simply exist by themselves. Thus, they may be said to have been predestined to occur. It may sound confusing, right? Think about the compass. If you're a Lost fan, the compass that was passed from Albert to Locke, but from Locke to Albert, that is an example of a bootstrap paradox. Okay? The predestination or the bootstrap paradox allows time travel to be self-consistent, similar to the Novikov self-consistency principle. Some works of fiction, for example, Somewhere in Time, have a version of the paradox where an object from the future is brought to the past, where it ages until it is brought back to the past again, apparently unchanged from its previous journey. An object making such a circular passage through time must be identical whenever it is brought back to the past. Otherwise, it would create an inconsistency. All right. In a 1984 interview, Heinlein stated that he got the idea for By His Bootstraps after an old bald man with a mustache accosted him one morning outside his house just as he was returning home from the Navy on leave. According to Heinlein, the man, who he vaguely recognized as a member of his family, suggested that he write science fiction series and offered him the detailed plot of By His Bootstraps as an idea to catalyze his writing career. I just think that's fascinating. I love the whole idea of paradoxes and time travel and all that stuff. So in case you're wondering and hadn't had time to Google it up, as the doctor said we should do, there you go. All right. Well, let's get into today's episode. And this is going to be a callback to some stuff that happened in season two of Fringe. And whether you are a Fringe podcast listener or not, it's not going to matter. You're not going to have to have listened to the Fringe podcast. But 
If you have been listening to this podcast or my other podcasts for a while, then you probably already know my podcast story. That is how I got into podcasting. But just in case you don't, let me tell you about it. No, there is no time. Let me sum up. I first started listening to podcasts in 2005 or maybe 2006 because I was looking for other people who were wanting to know more about and talk about the TV show Lost. I then started calling into the weekly Lost podcast with Cliff and Stephanie Ravenscraft, and I thought it was really cool and awesome to be able to interact with them and other Lost fans through their podcast. And at the time, I was working as the e-commerce director for a bookstore chain, and most of the members of my team were geeks just like me. In fact, they were bigger geeks than me. And in the spring of 2008, Fox aired a teaser trailer for a new show that they would be premiering in the fall. And that show was called Fringe. And I remember that when I got to work the next day after the trailer had been shown, that my geeky coworkers were as excited about it as I was. So we began talking about it, and for several days we discussed the various things that had us intrigued about this show. And among the intriguing elements to the show was that it was a show created by J.J. Abrams the man famous for making Lost an alias. So one day as I was talking to one of my coworkers named Jason, he tossed out the idea that we should start a podcast about Fringe. And we could get in on it early, we could geek out, and we could have a lot of fun. He also mentioned the idea to another one of our coworkers, Courtney. And she liked the idea too, and therefore we decided to do the Fringe podcast, although we didn't know what we would call it right away. So from there, it was pretty much decided that we would start a podcast about Fringe, and over the next couple of months, we spent our spare time talking about the podcast. We came up with ideas for segments, ideas for what to name the podcast, and we settled on the original awe-inspiring name of The Fringe Podcast. And we also, of course, started creating a website, and all the while trying to contain our excitement about this new show. Well, I was the most tech-savvy of the group, especially when it came to audio gear and websites. I had built a few websites before, and I felt pretty comfortable building a website for what we would eventually call the Fringe Podcast. However, the audio gear was not exactly my forte. While I knew more than the other two guys, I didn't know enough. I enlisted some help from a local friend named Adam and my lost podcasting friend Cliff Ravenscraft. And together, they helped me get the best gear that we could afford. We all put in about 100 bucks and got the gear for the podcast. Fortunately for us, the PR team behind the show was in high gear as they were teasing out video clips, hiding clues in various websites, and giving us a lot to speculate about. The more we learned about the show, the more we realized that there were some scientific elements that we were clueless about. Courtney asked me if I knew anyone who had a scientific background, and I thought of my friend Clint. Clint had a background in molecular biology and forensics and all kinds of other sciencey stuff. He was also a big fan of Lost and J.J. Abrams, so he agreed to come on the podcast and help us make sense of the science stuff. Little did I know at the time that he would end up being a permanent host of the podcast. Our first several episodes were recorded before the show ever premiered, and the four of us would try to glean every ounce of insight from every corner of the internet. 
And so by the time the show premiered on September 9th, 2008, we were already eight episodes into the Fringe podcast. Over the next several months, we, just like the writers and producers of the show, tried to find our way. We tried to figure out what we were doing, where we were going, and what the best format for our show was. We figured out internal things like how we would prepare our show notes and outline for what we would discuss. We tried different segments to our show, and some of them ended up being eliminated. We also developed our method for including the massive and unexpected amounts of listener feedback that were being sent in. I mean, we thought that we would just do this podcast and a few people would listen. But it seemed that our little podcast recorded in my living room was picking up steam and getting popular. We also started getting requests to record our podcast live and allow people to chat with us while we did it. We had to figure out if that was a thing that we were capable of doing and if we could even pull it off. We started off by streaming audio only as none of us had a webcam. And once we were able to acquire a webcam, we started live streaming every episode. And that decision turned out to be a very effective way to create an even deeper and more tangible relationship with our listeners. Life was good. In the spring of 2009, my wife and I broke ground on a new house. And by that time, I was so in love with podcasting that I made sure that our new house would have a dedicated space for my podcasting gear. We continued to think about ways that we could improve our show for season two and tried to keep as much content flowing during the summer hiatus as we could. Before we started the season, I came up with a new intro theme set to the music of the A-Team theme. But I had no idea that that music would be retired before the season even got to the midway point. In early December of 2009, just after episode 8 of Fringe Season 2, Courtney and Jason resigned from the podcast. They each had their own reasons for leaving. Courtney was working two jobs, and we were recording the podcast on her only day off. She simply couldn't get all of the personal stuff done that she needed to get done, and the podcast was causing her to make sacrifices that she didn't want to make. And likewise, the podcast was causing Jason to spend time away from his family, and he felt like he needed to reprioritize the activities in his life. When they resigned from the podcast, I was surprised. Their resignations didn't come at the same time. Courtney let me know about her decision right after we recorded episodes 215 and 216. Jason let me know a few days after that, just as I was starting to get my head around how we would continue without Courtney. So, one week we were a podcast with four hosts, and then by the time we sat down to record the next week, we were a podcast of two hosts. I had a terrible feeling that our podcast was about to go down the tubes. Here's what I learned. Much to my surprise, our podcast did not go down the tubes. In fact, it got better. Don't get me wrong. I want to be clear here. The fact that we got better is not in any way intended to be an insult or belittle Courtney and Jason in any way. They were good podcasters. In fact, I recruited Courtney to be a host for the TV Talk Network. What I mean is that the dynamic of our podcast changed as a direct effect of having only two voices instead of four. We were more organized the conversation flowed more freely, and our audio quality improved. 
When there were four hosts, we had difficulty trying to fit everyone's opinions into the show and still keep the show at a reasonable length. When we were four hosts, we had a difficult time avoiding situations where hosts were talking over each other. Because Clint lived down the street from me, he didn't have to call into the show via Skype. This meant that our audio quality was instantly better. Clint and I had a good chemistry. And since we were in the same room, we were able to look each other in the eye as we spoke and have a genuine conversation about this TV show like two friends would. The show became tighter, more focused, and as I said, it had a better flow. When season two came to a close, I realized that somehow we had become a better show by simply narrowing down the number of hosts from four to two. This is why all of our shows, except for Arrow Squad, continue to have only two hosts to this day. This taught me that change can be a very good thing. Sometimes things change and it's out of the blue. We're caught off guard and our initial reaction is to panic and think that we're doomed for failure. However, that's actually almost never the case. Change is a great opportunity to reevaluate things. Change is a great time to make improvements based on the knowledge that you've gained up to that point that you didn't have when you started. And change is a great opportunity to make a difficult situation into a winning situation. So don't be troubled by change. Change is inevitable. And sometimes it just might place you on the fringe of a breakthrough. I'm Daryl Darnell. And this has been Stuff I Learned Yesterday. Follow Golden Spiral Media on Twitter at GSM Podcasts and Facebook.com slash Golden Spiral Media. To subscribe to Stuff I Learned Yesterday, visit goldenspiralmedia.com slash subscribe. And if you've enjoyed this episode of Stuff I Learned Yesterday, I would be grateful if you'd leave a review in iTunes by going to goldenspiralmedia.com slash iTunes.